0: Jesus is coming into Jerusalem unexpectedly, but people misunderstand who he is and his heart for people. Grow in grace is
1: next. The Jews missed it. They thought church was a place where you just hold up and keep those Gentiles out. I suggested that happens in churches all over this nation. People say, well, that guy's gay. He can't come in our church. Really? how would have jesus treated a gay person the same way he treated the prostitutes when he had lunch with them and the tax collectors oh pastor now you're talking about whoa wait a minute here come to church zion now with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man sick be
0: and the crippled stand singing hallelujah my kingdom built with the blood of my son selfless sacrifice for everyone It's with great pleasure that I welcome you now to Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is currently guiding us through the Gospel of John. And today we make a return visit to the 12th chapter. It's here that John speaks of what many have termed the triumphal entry. It is Jesus' last week on earth and as prophecy has foretold, he's about to enter the city of Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. What's the significance of this, you may be asking? let's join our teacher pastor ed and see for ourselves
1: second part we want to see jesus verse 20. now there were certain greeks among those who had come to worship at the feast now john uses a greek word hellenus which means they were born in the country of greece now in that day races were thought of as citizens of a certain country so These were Greeks, not Jews. They weren't born outside of Greece. They had come all the way from Greece, which is a serious trek to go all the way up Greece and down through Turkey and work your way down into Jerusalem. So they're there to worship. Now, they could have been called Hellenistoi, which meant they were Greeks who were living in Israel. They're not. These guys came a long way. Why? Because Greeks in the first century were the first tourists in the world. Now, I'm not Greek. I'm not preaching Greek superiority here. I'm just telling you that's the way it was. In fact, the golden age of Greece, 400 years before Jesus, Socrates, Plato, all said, you need to go. They taught in university. They told their students when you graduate, you need to go into the world and see." See what truth is. Go visit these places. They didn't have any cameras, no iPhones, so they couldn't take pictures, but they went to discover truth. In fact, one historian said in Egypt today, in the famous valley where there's huge carved statues of Pharaoh, there's a statue of Pharaoh. He said that some Greek tourists scratched his name in it just like he would do to, not you, of course, but some people would do (laughs) today. And that was 400 years before Jesus. They were already out there scratching their name on important stuff and ruining it. Okay, so these guys in the first century are in Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, because they heard. They heard that there was a miracle-working man there who was actually God who was raising people from the dead, who was turning water into wine, who was healing people with leprosy, a guy that couldn't walk for 38 years. He said, take up your bed and walk, and the guy did. The guy that couldn't hear, the guy that was blind from birth. They came several thousand miles because they wanted to meet this man. In fact, they wanted to see him face to face. Verse 21, then they came to Philip, one of the disciples. Notice he has a Greek name, who was from Bethsaida, which was a Greek-speaking city on the Sea of Galilee. If the Sea of Galilee was a clock face, one o'clock would be this city, Bethsaida. they pronounce it. And it goes all the way down to six on the clock face. There are 10 cities called the Decapolis. There were 10 cities that were founded by Alexander the Great 300 years before this. They're all Greek-speaking cities. The Jews didn't live there, only Jews who had a Greek background. Philip speaks Greek. He has a Greek name. It means lover of horses. But notice what they say to this Greek-speaking Jew who is a disciple of Jesus. Sir, we wish to see jesus and the word see is ido e-i-d-o in the greek language which means to connect with him i want to connect with this man to understand him i want to see truth is what they're really saying because that's why they had left greece to find truth now this verse is very familiar to me in fact i look at it every sunday what yeah It's here on this pulpit. Oh, no, it looks like a music stand. Right here. Sir, we would see Jesus, John 12, 21. Why is it there? It's not for you. It's for me. You see, when I walk up here and I read that, we want to see Jesus. It's time for me to stop and go, that's why they're here. They didn't come to see the musician that could play the piano, one of the most talented Hollywood studio musicians alive today. That's not why you came. You didn't come to hear the band. You didn't even come to hear me. I hope you came to see Jesus. Got it? And so I need to be not too clever, not too funny. I have hundreds of jokes. I know I get criticized, too many jokes. I have hundreds of them, and they're all as bad as the one you've heard. Okay? So... But you want to see Jesus, and I pray that you do. I pray that that's why you come here, to study God's word so you can see Jesus more clearly. Now, this idea of God wanting to reach the world, the non-Jews, the Gentiles. Oh, by the way, I'm as Gentile as you can get, okay? I'm, I'm Scott and Irish. I'm Scott Irish. I'm not a son of Abraham, but I am of Jesus. And so I, I'm a child of God. But I'm so thankful that these Greeks showed up. God had been saying it for 2,000 years before this. He said it to Abraham, the father of the Greek race. Listen, Genesis 12:3, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and I will curse him who curses you. And you, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God said, he's prejudiced towards Jews, but he actually loves everybody. And anyone who blesses a Jew will be blessed. You are blessed by it. Did you know that the majority of Nobel Prizes won in science were won by Jews? Disproportionately to the number of Jews on the planet. God gives wisdom to Jews. And we have many inventions and technology and a lot of chemistry and two of the winners of the Nobel Prize in Physics, no surprise, Jewish. I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. how to it go for Nazi Germany? Don't mess with God's kids. But the main thrust of that is... In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's you and I here this morning. David prayed, King David, in First Chronicles sixteen twenty three Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. His son, King Solomon, when he dedicated the temple... He said this, Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but who comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray in this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all people of the earth may know your name, and revere you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. And on and on it goes. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah eleven, ten. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah forty-nine six, Isaiah forty-nine, twenty-two, Isaiah sixty verse three, on and on. And then we get to the New Testament, Jesus is born. Joseph and Mary they bring him to the temple right? You remember the story and there's an old man there his name is Simeon and he sees the baby and God says that's the one and he runs up to the parents and he says can I hold your kid? and they hand him over. So he came by the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law they took him up he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are telling your servant, depart in peace. I get to go home to heaven, is what he says. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, you and I. So, God has been saying the Gentiles are welcome over and over again. These guys are on the temple mount. They can't get to Jesus because he's inside the temple. They're stuck in a place called the court of the Gentiles. The Jews missed it. They thought church was a place where you just hold up and keep those Gentiles out. I suggest you that happens in churches all over this nation. People say, well, that guy's gay. He can't come in our church. Really? How would have Jesus treated a gay person? The same way he treated the prostitutes when he had lunch with them and the tax collectors. Oh, pastor, now you're talking about, whoa, wait a minute here. Come to church. This is for broken sinners, This place it's full of broken sinners each one of us has a story you'll say well i can't go to that church there's like you know heroin addicts that go to church there yeah but they're all saved now they don't do heroin anymore what do you do with that well i'm better than that man i'm not hanging around those people really you hypocrite we're all sinners every one of us we wish to see jesus wouldn't you like that to happen to you Wouldn't you like somebody to come up and say, you know, I can see there's something about you. You know, the way you treat other people, I bet you know Jesus. Could you tell me about him? Wouldn't you love somebody to say, you know, you remind me of Jesus. I've read about him. What can you tell me about him? Your life. It's so obvious that you're a believer. Tell me about him. Wouldn't you love that to happen to you? It will. You keep following him. He'll change you from the inside out. And somebody say, you're one of those Christians, aren't you? Not because you're spitting Bible verses at them, but because you live it. Because you look like what Jesus would do.
0: We hope the same could be said of you, that others would be able to tell that we've been with Jesus. You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, and we're in John 12. Here's Pastor Ed with the second half of today's study.
1: Philip didn't take these Jews to Jesus. First he took them to Andrew, one of the other disciples. Now we know about Andrew. Andrew is the brother of Peter. In fact, he's the one that went and got his brother and took him to Jesus. So Philip knows this is the guy who takes people to Jesus. When they're feeding the 5,000, little kids got five loaves and two fish. Andrew brings the kid up to Jesus. Hey, this kid doesn't have much, but Jesus said, I'll take it. I'll take whatever he's got, and I'll use it, and I'll change the world. He says that to you and me too. He knew, Andrew knew that Jesus never refused anybody. He never said, I'm too busy right now. Really, God? No, he's never too busy. That's why he listens to my prayers and your prayers You never inconvenience God. Isn't that wonderful? There's nothing you can do to catch him off guard. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that, Ed. Yeah, you did. So he never turns away any seeking person. That's the second part. Last part, how to see the king. So Jesus answers them and he tells them and us how to see him. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now that's amazing because... Several times up before this, Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. When his mother, Mary, said they need some more wine, Jesus said, woman, it's not my time. My hour has not yet come. John 7, 8, his brother said, we well, need to come up to the feast. And he said, no, my hour has not yet come. John 7:30. my hour has not yet come. John 8:20. my hour has not yet come. And somebody says, my hour has come. Why? He's going to die in a matter of days. He's gonna be glorified, he's gonna rise from the dead to give us all hope that we're gonna rise from the dead someday. But most assuredly, and here's how you get to see Jesus, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So a kernel of wheat is the picture here. He's gonna go into the ground and he's gonna be resurrected and millions and millions and billions of people are going to become believers because of his death. But it's also true about your life and mine. Years ago I walked up, the Smithsonian Institute walked up to a, it looked like a checkerboard, little boxes, and like typesetters use. And it was a display of grain, and there's a single wheat kernel in the first box. In the second box there's two, in the next box there's four, and then eight, and then 16, and 32, and 64. And the little sign says, if you got all the way to the end of all these boxes, 64 boxes, How much grain would that be? And you push the button, the little screen pops up and says, enough grain to cover the subcontinent of India with wheat 50 foot deep. Now that's the wonder of doubling, of multiplication. You put a single kernel in the ground, it comes up, has a head on it of wheat that has 25, 50, sometimes 75 more grain in it. But a wheat single kernel, you can put it in a box and save it. And it has life within it, a little DNA strand. Funny thing. They discovered some in China recently that go back 3,000 years. And some horticulturalists took them and they sprouted because they wanted to see if the wheat was different than modern wheat, very, very different. 2,000-year-old sample found in the Great Pyramids. Same thing, somebody nursed them back to life and they were in the bottom of a beer container and they wanted to know what the beer tasted like in Egypt. So I can't comment on that. I don't know what it tasted like. This is a paradox, okay? In fact, the gospel is full of paradoxes. Paradoxes are, are little statements, usually just one sentence, that when you first hear it, you go, oh, that didn't make sense. But it makes you think. Jesus used paradoxes over and over again. Look at the next verse. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. And uh, so I'm right. I got to hate my life. Pastor, I like my life. No, no. Two different words for life here. First word for life is the Greek word psyche, where we get the word psychology. Your personality, who you are. If you love your idea for your life, you're going to lose it. But if you hate, life in this world and the world the word here is Zoe that's a great name for a little girl Zoe is always attached with the word amios which is the Greek word for eternity so if you hate your life that is your own ideas for what you want to be and let it die go in the ground little dirt little moisture little sunlight on it something else will come out that God designed you for that you would become what he designed you to be, and you'd find fulfillment in that, satisfaction in that, that you'll never find in trying to find it yourself. Well, I want to be a biochemist, and I was, and I am. I was miserable. I was making a lot of money, but I was miserable, because money isn't enough. Go be a pastor. Really, a pastor, Lord? No, that can't be right. You die to your life what you think to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he'll show you in a way you can't miss it. Okay. We have a, a couple that came to see me three or four years ago, probably four years ago now. And the, they're married and they had a child. And the girl went to our school, graduated from a high school. And she's, and she's pregnant with their second child. And he's from Orange County, Costa Mesa. And he's from a very wealthy family. So I just talked with them a little bit. They wanted to talk to me about missions. I said, missions? He said, yeah, we have a friend that he and his wife and their two children went down to the Amazon, and they went to a native tribe there, and they built a little chapel. They have 18 people in their church, and they're just loving it. I said, wait a minute. You're talking about leaving Orange County. You own your own home already. Your dad is extremely wealthy. You work for a very good company, and You just hang on. You know, you get the kids through college and then, you know, you go buy a RV and you drive around and then you sit in a rocking chair in an old folks' home and say, what was my name again? You know where they are this morning? They have three kids and she's pregnant for her fourth kid. Blonde hair, beautiful young lady. Her husband's this big football player. They look, they smell Orange County, okay? Behind the orange curtain, as they say. They're on the west coast of Africa right now in a village that's 100% Muslim. They're the only white people in the entire village. And it's so hot there that they get up in the middle of the night and they go to the 55-gallon drum that's common for the whole group in the village, and they dipped dip their pajamas in them and put them back on so they could sleep. It's so stinking hot. Why would you give up Costa Mesa? Sounds funny to even say. I mean, there's people coming from all over America trying to live at the beach, you know, La Jolla, gotta hang out at the beach all day long. If you would lose your life, then you'd gain eternity. That's the short version of this. If you try and do it under your own power, you won't be happy, you'll be miserable. Okay, let me try and sum it all up. This world, the human race, has a disease. It's called sin. It's a deadly disease. It will kill everybody that doesn't get a transfusion. It's like yellow fever. Okay, yellow fever, like in the early 20s, 1920s, was killing almost every kid that got it. And there was a missionary doctor. Now, that's the virus, okay? And that's the doctor. He's actually the son of a missionary couple in Guyana, in West Africa. And he received the 1929 Nobel Prize in Medicine for discovering a way to stop yellow fever. How did he do it? He had a little boy, pre-teens, who had yellow fever, and he thought he was going to die. And all of a sudden, the kid turned around. And the kid was starting to go home. He said, wait a minute, I've got to take a blood sample from him. He took a blood sample from his arm, spun it down, used the plasma, the clear portion of the blood, and injected it in a patient of his that was almost dead. Next day, the guy was fine. He got up and was ready to go home. He had discovered that this little boy, Abassi is his name, had developed an antibody to yellow fever, of which you have in your body, because the same little boy contributed a serum to the whole world. Everybody that's had a yellow fever inoculation, I have. When we went to Africa, you had to have it. I had a little bit of that little boys in me. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses a man, a woman, a child from all sin. Ephesians 1.7, in Christ, We have redemption through His blood. I want to see Jesus. Good, He's here. Surrender your life to Him. He will cleanse your sins, and you will live for eternity.
0: For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for Jesus will save it. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share his word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at AOL.com. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. A presentation of the house Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Sihon, I built with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.